dimensions your closet you got here is it like a four by eight you're rocking or three uh, no, by five this? no 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 it's 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 a big one um Ooh. let me brag about this closet <laughs> i think it's like a uh let's see i could lay down this way i think it's like a it, it's maybe like a not quite a square it might be like a six uh, could be like six by six, six. Um, oh, that's a great I'm, closet it, it, it's big enough to have its own door so yeah so yeah, so that's a good point. so when we bought this house it was like three years ago um and it's not like oh we just buy houses the first house i ever bought you know all that <laughs> stuff um in the listing photos it's got this nice master bedroom there are pictures of that but like kind of shot at that weird you could tell they wanted to take cool real estate photos, but were doing it themselves. Oh. So it was done sort of like, <laughs> I'm standing in the corner, but that didn't really make this room look any bigger. And I completely <laughs> forgot to take a picture of the walk-in closet in the master bedroom that's six by six. So there was a couple things. Oh, and like, oh, and I also didn't show that there's a balcony off the master bedroom. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think it was... Uh, my significant other's dream to not have like bureaus and stuff out in our bedroom. So uh, we, we just kind of set this up, went and got some Ikea stuff, essentially created like built-ins into this six by six space. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's cool. So the bedroom's just like the bed. It's pretty chill. Otherwise I got like a chair in one corner and like that's it. It's real like relaxed. Everything's in the, the closet. It's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, that. I'm on some R. Kelly trapped in <laughs> style right here. So yeah. I yeah. love that. There's the that closet too. talk. Yo, secret talks, closet talk. Just see the light on in the closet. Just no, that's be, that's yeah, gonna be, be a special, <laughs> special feature. The late night, late night, uh everything's in the closet. Secret talks <laughs> special. Yo, recording oh, yeah, light on. <laughs> well, welcome to the Secret Jocks podcast. Uh, I'm Tyler. We got Ralph. Giard, Shed, Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> we got Greg. What's up, everybody? And we got Bob Shed from the Axe to Grind podcast joining us tonight. How you doing? I'm good, guys. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Hell very, yeah. very excited to talk basketball. Yeah, well, thank, thank you for you joining for... us. Yeah, very stoked, man. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping before we get into it. Uh, as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of the ones uh, you can imagine. Uh, if you leave us a five-star review on uh, pod, Apple Podcasts, uh, we'll go ahead and read it on here. There's none this week, so we're going to... Motherfuckers. I know. Come on. Come on, man. Come on, guys. <laughs> you guys should have told me. I would have left you one, and then we could have done that live. <laughs> oh, yeah, not, damn. <laughs> secretly not from Bob. You just have to change your name just a little bit. You know? Not. Well, or or not don't change Bob. it at all like yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Ralph reviewed us. And, uh, we we reviewed his review. It was great. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, I'll I'll bring the stuff up again at the end of the podcast. Uh, but let's let's get into the fun stuff. Uh, thanks Ooh. for joining us, Bob. Uh, so you want to tell us about your your podcast, Axe to Grind, and how it started a little bit? Yeah, totally. Um, so I do a podcast called Axe to Grind. It's a it is the hardcore podcast, as we're fond love, of saying. Love it, uh, yeah. We talk about punk, hardcore, metal, everything in between. We try to keep it light. We try to keep it interesting. We try to keep creative. Um, it was started by myself and 
my co-hosts Tom and Patrick. Uh, and the the origin story is kind of fun. Tom and Patrick had done an episode of uh, Death Wish has a podcast. They had been on it years and years ago. Actually, I had been on one even before that. So, you know, we were like making podcasts with tab like stone tablets. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, so they, then they, they had a great time doing it. So there was kind of like a kernel in the back of their heads that they wanted to do it again. I ended up in a group chat with those guys and one other fella and they were talking about it and they kind of kept scrolling through ideas and I got involved and, uh, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to record this day, Bob, you should just, you should come. Do you want to, you want to help us find a guest? I was like, sure. Like, well, you should be on too. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then afterwards, I was like, hey, do you guys want me on this podcast? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're like part of the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that's it. And it's been it's been a super fun ride. That's been um, just past three years. Um, and it's been a really fun time. Like, honestly, we we can't believe how positive the feedback is, how, how overwhelming uh, the excitement around it is. And, and people have kind of stuck with us for a long time and it's it's interesting you know you do you do something like this and you're not sure like is this going to last for six months or whatever mm -hmm. but here we are three years and it's uh it's one of the more fun things that we do every week we all really have a fun time with it so that's awesome man you yeah. became an accidental host that rocks <laughs> yeah you know it was, uh, accidental. It was <laughs> accidental to grind um, nice. uh, <laughs> it was super fun it, honestly uh those guys are are great we, i think we we all have s sort of different backgrounds and come from a different idea both with how we look at music and a lot of things but uh but but that inert respect for each other and each other's different opinions and that kind of enables a lot of good conversation so well said oh yeah thank you <laughs> uh were you in any bands before the podcast or um so this is a funny one was i in any bands uh in 1997 i did a band that never made it out of the basement uh called um bear club that was a name that was making fun of my friends uh my friend charlie who uh was like one of my best friends and he actually ended up he was in the band he was in the band and then maybe he ended up singing after i left but they basically said hey and they were kind of like surfer pop punk kids okay. but they liked hardcore kind of a little bit and they wanted to do something like that i was like cool cool this is fun i didn't mind doing something a little like that but after about four practices um they're like yo what about what about like like melancholy covers and like what about like all of a sudden we're like try treading into lag wagon territory yeah. <laughs> like, guys i didn't sign up for this so yeah. uh so then i i bailed and they they uh kind of continued on they ended up becoming this band wheelchair basketball uh okay. who did play some shows who then eventually evolves into this band get real but not really they just kind of broke apart and and one of the bands became the hardcore band get real uh, so no no i didn't really do any bands <laughs> i like to tell that story because it's silly um but no, I didn't do bands. I, I worked at Revelation Records. I did my own label, Collapse Records. Um, cool. I helped start 6131 Records when I lived there. Wow. Uh, I yeah. did Sound and Fury Fest and probably some other stuff I'm forgetting. It was it, Hardcore is super fun. It's always kind of 
one of those things. I've done zines. I always tell people you can kind of get involved in music and hardcore, especially. That's probably why hardcore is the coolest music to me. Um, you can get in and do, you can participate at whatever level you want. Um, so, you know, that was fun. The last, the last big stuff that I was doing was putting on the Have Heart uh, reunions in mass. So that was pretty that was pretty crazy that, that is truly insane that is fucking nuts yeah yeah th- those were really nuts um it's kind of ooh, i'm still waiting to see the full videos of it because it's uh you know when you do something like that you go out there and you it's 8 30 in the morning and you're looking at this giant empty parking lot go wow okay <laughs> and then then it's over and you, you're like wow there were almost 10,000 people out here what's going on you know so um so yeah yeah it's a it's a long life thank you thank you yeah fuck you it was it looked wild uh what what hand did you have in putting that on did you like put on the show itself or yeah i i was responsible i helped put on well i i did i put on both of the boston the worcester shows so the both east coast God, shows damn. i i did um Riley and the guys at Sound of Fury, Martin, uh, Madison put on the two LA shows. So, um, so yeah, we kept it all in the family with the Sound of Fury team here. Um, but yeah, uh, so the funniest things, and, and I should probably tell this whole story at some point, but, <laughs> but um, you know, they came to me and I was like, okay, cool. And we, at first they're like, we don't know, maybe we should just do it at, you know, the Middle East. The Middle East is a venue that could hold like 300 people. Mm-hmm. and no no one like Got no it. one okay. in that band i did not expect it to be like some giant giant show but uh but really like, but in the back of my head i was like <laughs> yo look the palladium is always there like we should think about the palladium good place know they're willing to work with hardcore bands and one of the big things being that like want to make sure you can have kids stage dive get on stage and do the whole mm-hmm. thing you know like totally. make it a hardcore show but then um when the tickets for the first show sold out, which it was really intended to be one show in Worcester, one show in LA, but the yeah. tickets sold out in 30 seconds. Minutes? Yeah. No, it was 32 seconds, which 32. is crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, and, and so that, that makes it, it puts you in a situation where it's like, Oh, this clearly a lot of people couldn't get tickets, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they, the band was like, we should do another show. I talked with them. We worked out what to do there was you know it was it was interesting because not everybody was on board to do an outdoor show and if i'm being very honest doing an outdoor show is one of the last things i ever want to do because you have to deal with variability up until the show finished we were worried about rain and we were worried about about, you know weather because what do you do you know and what if it starts downpour rain which it did like 10 minutes after the show before half heart starts like like oh the rest of the show just finished have hearts about to play oops sorry lightning storm can't play totally um so there's that was a level of stress that had to do with that for a long time uh so i mean i remember i was picking up all the merch in this giant box truck um that i was illegally driving up a highway that you're not supposed to drive a box truck up which i didn't remember or realize till i was helping a friend move like months later like yeah you're not supposed to drive box trucks on this highway i was like oh (laughs) god that didn't end up being a problem 
but um yeah you know i remember being super stressed stressed but going like the responsibility of the person who's doing a big event like that is to try to appear not stressed so oh, yeah. so yeah i think you guys are the first people i've really talked to and said yeah you know that was pretty Ooh. stressful but we have an exclusive here exclusive. <laughs> exclusive um but yeah it was super fun um takes a lot of organizing but uh yeah i don't know if i'll i don't know if i'll ever book another show to be honest it's it's kind of yeah. like what do i do after that <laughs> range just seems like such a factor that could ruin such a night like that you know like even if it's like not even the gear or like any of the logistics just from the enjoyment level of a fan you know like paying that money and sitting in the fucking rain for a little bit that that just is a bummer you know so that i could totally see that who wants to deal with the like woodstock 99 like mud yeah. pit? like <laughs> by the way we weren't in a field we were on a we were in a parking lot so if it starts raining the rain it's which did the rain had nowhere to go it turned into like that show ended yeah there was 10 15 minutes for people to get out of there and then you hear the lightning crack like boom um and and we were there having a you know kind of settle up and do all this stuff with the venue so we were there for several hours sitting under a tent outside in the rain for like two hours and it was just downpour for two hours and we're like oh that's i can't me. believe we just missed this and you know and the other story is that <clears throat> there was also like talk of what if we did this next year or like had it not happened and, and there was a synergy there was like kind of this magic of like hey it's been 10 years since the last show let's do it now okay cool um there's other reasons but that was the main one imagine that that show was supposed to happen summer 2020 oops, oops gone and you know nobody's <laughs> thinking about it so so it all kind of worked out in this weird magical way totally. uh, i had no control of that so and the gratitude for that is great too man just to be able to look back at it and see how lucky you were to be able to pull something like that off man yeah i it was totally it was not just was, luck by the way no no no, no 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 <laughs> you said it <laughs> You said it right, though. All the planning in the world, which that we've done, all the stuff you try to control, which you do, mm. you can't control the rain. You just yeah. can't. You, you know, <laughs> I had kind of warned them. I was like, look, we don't have many other options given how many people want to come. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some contingency plans, you know, like, okay. The contingency plan was the first show was on a Friday night indoors. The second show was the outdoor show. It was on a Saturday afternoon. The next day, we could do the show either outdoors again or do the show indoors. Now, the problem with indoors is indoors was only a capacity of 2,500 people. There was God, dude. over 8,000 people. There was like, eight, I used to know the number right off the top of my head, but like, let's say 8,400. Um, 8500 anyways <laughs> that means that we would have had to do the, there was talk of like okay do we do an afternoon indoor show and an evening indoor show and split it up like how do we even make this work and there was it was a whole thing so we had backup plans but nothing that was perfect nothing that was like yeah this is mm -hmm. no sweat we got this you know so 
um, there is a huge matter of luck that comes with dealing with an outdoor event. And that's why I, I don't plan on, I'll tell you this, I will do other shows. I hope to do, my next show is a 35 person, cool, neat, small show, but I will tell you it will certainly be indoors. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I think those kind of shows are what we're used to playing, so very nice, very easy. Those are the shows I'm used to going to, those are the shows I love, you know, Um, so, you know, that was neat that one time and uh now i'd like to get back to my comfort zone <laughs> love it love it man. i love it well uh let's let's shift the topic a little bit uh you want to tell us how you got into basketball yeah okay so i don't know how old you fellas are how old are you guys i'm, I'm 30 30 29 and i'm 28 oh you guys are babies okay i am <laughs> i am uh 39 years old Nice. That means I was born in 1981. I got into basketball young. Uh, my father was from Boston, uh, which, <clears throat> which I, I try to explain to people. He he was born in 52, I think. When we were young, he he loved he loved all the Boston sports teams, but he he liked the Red Sox. But they were he he would talk about. It. He's like they're never gonna win. He was that was during the, the period where they never won. And the Patriots were a joke. They weren't they weren't they weren't a good football team. They were always bad. You know, he has stories. He's like, yeah, I went I snuck in to see the Patriots in the 60s, you know, when they were still playing in the city. And he's like, they were terrible. But he loved the Celtics and he loved the Bruins. But but the but Celtics were the team he really loved. So um, so I would watch basketball with him very young, but there was also this team from LA with this guy named magic Johnson. And nice. um, <laughs> tell me more, <laughs> right. You maybe have heard of him. So, but, but so there was just this like incredible and, and it's like, I almost get sad. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast, um, Charles Barkley's podcast where he had magic on and it's like, guys, you got to ask him better questions about the magic and bird thing, because I don't need to hear the story about magic Johnson going to Larry bird's house again. Like I know this story. I know the story of when they did the converse commercial. I know it, please stop. So, but, but it really was, it was incredible to watch that. And I, I, that's some of my earliest, like things I see on TV memories were watching. I remember watching the um, rockets Lakers in i guess that's the uh is that the 86 western finals i remember that i remember i remember watching lakers celtics in 87 is that 87 no that's pistons um i remember watching lakers celtics 80 so it's 84 then 85 yeah yeah i remember watching lakers celtics finals and it was just like oh my god this really matters but also basketball wasn't on tv like it is now you know um so so i was very young and i lived in denver and i remember seeing lakers celtics games being broadcast on national i remember lakers rockets i remember uh celtics sixers games watching that stuff and just being so cool and it was so cool to see and my vivid memory of seeing the nuggets who we're going to talk about a bit and my my fandom which is almost non-fandom but i i do love them <laughs> so i was like let's talk about this this is going to be our centering pole um 
was visiting my my father's family in Boston, and because they were the local team, they were on cable by the late late 80s, and I remember watching and seeing the Celtics play the Nuggets, and I was like, oh my god, this is the first time I've seen the Nuggets play on TV. And there were there was the rainbow jerseys, you know, the rainbow skyline, and I was like, oh, I love those jerseys; they're so cool. <laughs> How come they're not as good as the Celtics? <laughs> like the Celtics were just like it was almost like when you would watch the Lakers or Celtics beat up on teams in that era, it was like watching a cat play with its food. Sometimes, like it really oh, felt shit. like like unfair. So, um, like you knew everybody on the late the Celtics, you know, one through eight. You knew everybody on the the Lakers one through eight. Every other team in the league is like who who's their center. <laughs> Who's that guy, you know? So totally. um, so I had, I was bit by the bug that got a lot of people, which was the uh, the Celtics and the Lakers. And um, I had some other connections to the Nuggets. My father before, I guess when I was young, really young, uh, he worked at a pet store in Denver that was owned by Kiki Vandaway. And... Uh, I don't know how much of this, but basically it was a tax write-off for Kiki Vandor. So <laughs> oh in the early eighties, he was, he was on those like high scoring nuggets teams. And, um, and he kind of had, my dad was the manager of this pet store and my dad loved fish and all this stuff, like aquarium, like freshwater fish. And he had this mandate. He's like, look, I don't really care what you do. Just whatever you want in here, just spend, spend money. Like, don't, don't, don't look at making a lot of money, just spend money. And, and I think my, I think my dad was just fine with that. That was a pretty good deal. So um, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. That's yeah. a great job. Yeah. I think so too. So yeah, I got bit by the bug and I've loved it ever since, you know, I, that's I, awesome. I think the NBA is a really incredible sport to follow. Uh, I think of myself more as like a generalist fan because I just have so much love for the whole league. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my son who is seven, I, I talked to him about it. He's like, what team do you root for? And well, I'm like, well, you know, I, I like, I like the nuggets and I really love, I, I got a lot of love for the Lakers from my time in California. And, um, you know, I was like, and it's weird to say, but I, I do, I, I, I kind of like the Celtics. I follow them, but mm-hmm. but I like this team. And he's like, well, wait, what teams don't you like? I'm like, well, I don't like the Houston Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, even, yeah. But now this, that's changed. I, I'm really enjoying them this year. So it's sort of like, what teams do I like to watch? Like, can uh-huh. anyone like, oh, this is a good question for you three. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about this. Were you guys fans of the Warriors run? <laughs> Ralph yes. is a Warriors yes. fan, so he's fucking loving it. Okay, but, but but there's some Nuggets tied that we can talk about later. With okay, that. okay, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I loved it, man. Um, it it was something new. I mean, like growing up, you know, watching Jordan and Kobe dominate like the mid range. That that was their game. Like big men were playing big. But when the Warriors came, you know. Draymond became their center. Iguodala got put in and kind of changed the the landscape of the game. I wasn't a hardcore fan then, or I wasn't a hardcore fan before that. But mm-hmm. as soon as I saw that run, I was just like, "Yeah, this is the team." They 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 changed the the landscape, and I love it. For me, I really liked when they came onto the scene. Like I thought that was really cool because it was a new team. You know, it just felt like the same teams were winning for a while. But that shit got old really quick, man. <laughs> and like, 
I don't know. They're just so good now to where it's hard to watch a team dominate at least the time they did during that run. Yeah, I, I'm with Greg there. It, as a Blazers fan, it was kind of hard to swallow the pill, <laughs> swallow the pill and, and cheer for him. But I did like that underdog story, like the first year they fun. won. And Steph was so likable and Clay is so likable that you kind of had to like cheer for them. But definitely by the end, when they got KD, they kind of turned into the villains a little bit. And it was so easy to hate them. And that was very fun, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm on both sides of the coin there. I don't want to defend the Warriors fan base, but I just want to say that they did, you know, draft from within and made these guys superstars. And then Katie was the first luxury, like, you know, the free agent that came in. But yeah, Yeah, I just wanted to say that. Okay. I think, (laughs) I think that they, they were thrilling. And um, I don't think, I think it's one of the, you would, it was almost must see TV on a lot of bases, even that first run with Harrison Barnes at the three, I, I was impressed with it. I always thought Clay and Steph, you couldn't have picked a better melding, right? Yeah, like totally. you got both are sharpshooters. Uh, Clay doesn't need the ball in his hand and low key, like excellent defender. Mm-hmm. And you pair him with Steph, great handles, ball handler, scorer, but also can pass and facilitate. But, yo, you know what he could use is somebody who's a little bigger who can guard his man anytime he can't handle it. Oh, there you go. So, um, yeah, (laughs) I I don't know. And and now I'm kind of fascinated by where they go from here. I like Wiseman. I keep hearing all the national go nuts and be like, should they make a move? Should they? I'm like, this guy, like, he looks like a – a giant compared to even bigs on other teams. And he's putting up numbers almost with ease in limited playtime. Like I, I think you gotta, you gotta hold your horses, Warriors fans and, and kind of bet on the run. I, I just, I think their front office has done a great job retooling in the midst of this. You have one real down year. This year's going to be, uh, but <laughs> give it time. Everyone else in the league is going, Hey, this was our reality. Like you just dominated for five years, so <laughs> chill out. There's oh, always man. next year, man. Always, always next year. <laughs> yeah, God oh. damn it! Do you think they're gonna make the playoffs with uh, with what they have right now? I know they don't have Clay for the year. It's been up and down with them, but they still look like a decent team. Don't they feel so dangerous to get in the play-in? Right, mm-hmm. like like oh, yeah. you just picture them at the 10th seed and if it's them versus you know who's who's on the fringes of the playoffs it's them versus <laughs> Memphis Memphis like come on Steph <laughs> and Draymond and and I, I you know yeah Kelly Oubre I think Andrew Wiggins has revived his career here which makes mm-hmm. sense you just look around and go all right Steph's not going to let them lose two out of three games to get in the playoffs and then it's just you're playing with house money do they have an interesting first round series like if they end up the eighth seed playing the lakers yo that's awesome they the lakers are probably going to stomp them but (laughs) but at the same time like you never know like steph goes crazy that's that's a big series um Mm -hmm. totally uh, so i think they will make the playoffs will they make it past the second round i doubt it but um Will they make it to the second round? I probably would bet against it, but it, at the very least, it's fun. Love it, man. Golden State Warriors, twenty twenty one champions. 
No, no, no. We know the opinion of this podcast, and this podcast, I mean me, Blazers 2021 champs. Wow. Okay. okay. Um, There's still time. I have, a, I have a question for you, Tyler. Yeah. Are you, are you just salty about the KD thing because you realize he could have been a lifer blazer? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I will be salty about that for the rest of my life. Same with that and Michael Jordan. It, it Jordan. hurts. It's, it's pain. All I know is pain. <laughs> Yo, at least at least you have. So I mean, I want to talk nuggets here, though. That's the the meat of what. Oh yeah. Here, but I, yeah. I think I think one of the things you got to remember as a Blazers fan is you've had these flashes. I think in my lifetime, the Nuggets have only truly felt that with Melo, and now with Jokic, that like, man, we actually have somebody. And and for most of probably your adult life, you can remember the the Blazers having a dude like Dame Lillard. How can you compare? Like I don't know if there's. A, I don't know if there's five players in the league that you could trade for who are so as beloved by their city and their team. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's the the unofficial mayor of of Portland. You know, they <laughs> they love him. We love him here. So, but True. even if uh, if Denver hasn't really had too many of the players like big players besides Jokic, they have like their front office have set that organization up really really well to just be a consistently good team. Which is pretty important. That's that's as an Orlando Magic fan, goddamn man, <laughs> I want that. Man, Orlando Magic is tough. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yes, the, the the front <laughs> office for the front office is important. I mean, you look around the league. That's it really matters. And um, you know, we can get to it. But but the way this Nuggets front office has built the team is fascinating. I think they've done a great job over the last few years. Where do we want to start? Let's talk Nuggets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a good segue. Let's talk about their game against the Cavs last night. Uh, absolute blowout, 133 to 95. Uh, so far, it seems like the Nuggets here have been like very you know, up and down. They're 13 and 11. Uh, do you think that this was just a game against kind of a weaker team, or do you think this is like the start of a Nuggets run here? Hmm. Um, the hope would be that it's the start of the run, right? Mm-hmm. That said – this was also a game where literally everything broke right for them. This, you look up and down that box score, watch the game. It, um, <laughs> you couldn't have picked a, a game to flow better for the Nuggets. Um, I saw in that game everything you would hope in a dream Nuggets game. I don't think any starter played more than 30 minutes. They went 12 deep on the bench. Every, you know, every player played. Um, they they did the one thing that's really bothered me for the Nuggets this year, which is which is ball movement. In that game, they had excellent flow. Was it against a weaker imp- opponent? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think they shot 60% from the floor, shot 44% for three. And the way they moved, yeah, like, you know, they're not going to lose. As a team, they shot 60% from the floor and they shot 44% from three. Um, Jamal Murray scores eight points and, and still, and, and just, they dominated. Uh, how much does that have to do with the Cavs? <laughs> A good amount. I think it, it was the perfect, it's like a decoy game. Unfortunately, the Nuggets, all their de- defensive liabilities were covered up by having a huge offensive night. I don't know if any mm. team in the league could have beat the Nuggets 
when they're playing like this, they're hitting like they are. But at the same time, how often can they pull this performance out? Uh, it's It was probably the best Nuggets game of the year. So it's funny to be doing this podcast the next night <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> I don't I don't get to watch the Nuggets every every game, but I've wa- I've actually gotten a good amount this season. What I what I hate about this and it calls into question two things that might be heresy to a lot of Nuggets fans. Malone is a coach, and Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is so frustrating as. <laughs> your your 1b option right um because he's inconsistent his his game lends itself to score first and facilitate after typically that works with Jokic, but when he's not being efficient you end up losing on both sides of it and i think that ends up in a lot of ball stopping and then that trickles down the rest of the nuggets roster um not big on politics, but but trickle down is usually a bad way to think about <laughs> a, a, a flow. Um, so so you see it though because the the Nuggets have so many mouths to feed that if the ball isn't moving, it kind of becomes epidemic. And you start watching it, and you look at the way they space. They have this really you know <clears throat> uh, to get back to housing. We can talk about my house. It's an open floor. <laughs> it's an open floor. <laughs> space you know opens floor space plan where they it's almost always stretch if you look at the nuggets on offense they almost always have two men a man in each corner and there's sometimes a lack of slash to the basket a lot less movement than you would expect for a team who most of their offensive sets are run through a big at the top of the key Mm -hmm. Jokic is an incredible passer but then you start seeing these flurries where it's like oh Will Barton's got the ball, you know, outside the three line, and he's going to drive and shoot. And Murray's going to drive and shoot. And MPJ is going to drive and shoot. And Gary Harris is going to drive and shoot because they start looking for their own baskets. And then then you look around, and you're like, wait, Yogi's just the only guy who's got an assist on the team. Shit. Um, <laughs> so so uh, last night was beautiful basketball. It's, it's the thing that – I would hope Malone goes, Hey, that's what we need to do every night is that kind of ball movement. There was, there was a sequence in the third quarter where it was three different driving kicks to the basket, out to three, to the basket, out to three, missed three offensive rebound, kick it back. It's, they have that type of length and athleticism and range to be very honest that they should be able to control the game like that. They were really able to lay it into the Cavs, but they should just go, hey, like, we can't let this be our globetrotter day where we're all just passing the ball. We need to make this the way we play every game. Definitely. Yeah. Do, do you feel like that's something that they can continue to do, like, going forward? Like, they had such an amazing run in the bubble, and it's almost wild to me that they've kind of been so inconsistent going into this year. I know they lost a couple pieces, but they still have a majority of their core, and Michael Porton Jr. looked great in the bubble. Like, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. is like, man, he's some when he's playing well, he's awesome. And um, I know it's like it's like this trope to say he's just got to stick with it and be in the game, and 
he's such a bucket getter and he can score in so many different ways. He looks passive on offense sometimes. And, I, you know, he goes from he, he'll put in yesterday was a great example. He puts in 19 and it's almost effortless. And then there's offensive sets where like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know, and and it's Michael Porter Jr. is a case for expansion in the NBA <laughs> because he's their third option but he doesn't always even get treated with the respect of a third option. So in reality, he might be a better true first option or second option. I think if, you know, there was all the talk of the Harden trade when Houston, before Houston traded in Brooklyn, and there was talk of the Nuggets being involved and, and Michael Porter Jr. And I was, I was fiercely against it. I think Harden would have been terrible in Denver um, because then, then you would have seen this ISO ball and, you know, yeah. let me be clear. He's looked pretty great in Brooklyn. He's really adjusted <laughs> yeah. his game, but, but you just have that fear. Like, Oh, you got Jokic. Is Jokic going to be minimalized? Is, is there going to be redundancies with him and Murray? And I think there would have been in that Murray would have just been completely vaporized and like, Oh, James Harden's just a much superior version of your game and much more consistent version of your game. So Michael Porter jr. You give him free range on a bad team. Yeah. He's going to put up 28 a night. It'd be easy for him. He's probably going to be less efficient. He's going to have every bad defensive play you can imagine. <laughs> but, um, but so your question was, can they keep this up? I would hope they should really make it a goal. If they can have the ball movement they had, they could certainly make a run right now. Given this is an aberration from my viewing this season. Um, I, I it's, it's pretty frustrating. Uh, I'm overall a Denver sports fan. And I would say that the nuggets viewing experience this year has been a lot like watching the Tim Tebow Broncos year where they would win games. And you'd be like, how'd that even happen? Like maybe I need to find religion because they're winning these games and I'm watching him and I'm going, this is really bad. This isn't the way you're supposed to play. Um, and all that said, and Jokic is basically an MVP, you know, like he's, he's probably, not, it's probably for LeBron, but he's right there too. You know, do you, do you, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was going to bring up, uh, you know how messed up it is that Jokic is in the MVP conversation and Steph isn't. Like, yo, it's it's almost the same record, you know? And Steph's putting insane numbers right now. Do you think so. Steph's not in the MVP conversation? No, I, I, I don't I don't think so. Okay. I think um, he should be. I mean, I he's I he's electric and he's carrying the team. Uh he's probably my th- number three right behind. And and I'll be very honest, who would I rather watch every night? It's Steph. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and and to me it's a clear favorite for LeBron. LeBron is LeBron's gunning for it. He's carrying a team. The other, the other night, I put a hundred bucks on the Thunder to beat the Lakers because I saw that Anthony Davis was out. They were coming off uh, a nice. loss, uh, coming off a hard victory against the Pistons. I was like, the Pistons. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I looked at the numbers. I was like, man, if Oklahoma City can pull this out, I'm going to win. And they go into the fourth quarter. They're up. I'm like, cool, cool. I fall asleep. I wake up and I'm like, they lost in overtime. No, LeBron James. Um, don't bet against LeBron. So, yeah, um, yeah. Hey, Steph, should, <laughs> Steph should be in the MVP conversation. No question. Hands down. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if the Denver Nuggets end up in the top four, 
as far as like seeding goes, do you think Jokic will be top three MVP? Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost, I almost mm-hmm. would find it hard for him not to be because whatever, whatever success they find the season is tied to him. I mean, you brought up the success in the bubble. Uh, Murray really t- turned it on in the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. and you wonder where that guy went. Now, some of it is he really just caught fire. <clears throat> I think he found a matchup both in that Utah series for sure that was kind of like perfectly suited for him. And then in the Clippers series, they just kind of were riding a wave. Um, but you just wonder where that guy is and if that is realistic to expect from him. Whereas Jokic, it's like he's consistent and he's just gotten better and he's playing at the top of the game. You know, um, I expect that they will be top four and I expect that Jokic will be top three in MVP. Nice. Uh, This this grants the question, uh, you think Jokic is the best center? I mean, we have Embiid out there, AD is playing the center. Yeah. There's a lot of great centers nowadays that's playing like a center and also expanding the range. Now, Jokic is kind of like the prototype. You think he's the best out of all of them? Since you're putting him third in the MVP race. <laughs> Put him third in MVP. Well, and this also, to me, gets the idea of what MVP is. MVP is like a yearly award, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And um, Embiid deserves some attention. Yeah. He deserves attention for what he's done this year. It's his best season. He's been he's been great. Uh, he's one of my favorites. <clears throat> Man, all right. Jokic. Jokic is provably on paper, in play, the best center in the NBA. That said, Embiid is fascinating, and he might be more fun. Jokic is great and he's just got a different skill set. His the the thing that separates Jokic from the pack is his passing ability. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he leads his team from that role where it's just you're in in American basketball we're just not used to that. I got to say I love watching his passes though. Like when he does the full court passes, that shit's really fun. <laughs> just yeah, football. Yeah, he's he's I don't think I've ever, you know, it, it reminded me of when Kevin Love came into the league with the Timberwolves and he was doing those, you know, full court, three quarters court passes. You're going, whoa, what's this guy doing? I actually, I got to see, I was actually, I used to go see the uh, UCLA team with him and Russ Westbrook and um, Damn, nice. they were awesome. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, me and Riley used to go to the UCLA games a lot. And, um, but I never expected that. But but then Jokic, he's just a full package. When he almost has such a unique game, whereas Embiid, you're like, okay, you know, with Embiid, I see flashes of Elijah Wan. I see a lot of Patrick Ewing. I see a lot of Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing, and and that's a game that people forget. And on defense, when he's keyed in, he can be dominant. Um, I wish I'd see him use his his strength. I wish he would kind of muscle up a little more but the post game's different you know it's not we're not talking about the days of Shaq where you would just see people have to bully in um so Jokic is this year's MVP Embiid is really really good Anthony Davis if Anthony Davis is a center 
we all, you know, everybody should know about Anthony Davis. He, he plays such a different game. He's so much more of a face up, but so is Jokic, you know, um, between Jokic and AD, I'm taking Jokic, but there's a better chance that AD's winning the finals, you know, and he, he yes, yeah. meshes up with LeBron better than Jokic would. Yeah. Now let, let me extend this to you, Tyler and Greg, who do you think's the best center? And you can't say Cantor. Or yeah, he's the best Nurkic, center. dude. Yeah. Cancer. <laughs> and, well, or Vooch. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I'm gonna, okay. Well, my only thing would be I think Jokic is the best overall, but for fitting on a team with other players, I would almost think someone else besides Jokic. Like his passing skills, like a guard could do something really good like that. Like if you just had a really solid center that was rebounding all the fucking time and played really good defense and let the guard take some of those other skills, I think then Embiid or someone else who's just playing that traditional center role is a better fit. But overall, Jokic and the passing and the playmaking, that's super where where he's the best in my opinion. Yeah. I'm going to go Jokic. I think he is the best center in the league. Like as much as I love Embiid uh, and his antics and just his, his strength in the post uh, is fun, but Jokic's game is way more unique than any center in the league. And he's got the most wild slash beautiful jump shot that I've ever seen a big man have. Like, it's just, it's that just wild. shot. Yo, it's like, I could watch that just like an and one mixtape of that all day. Like the only and one mixtape would just be, be Jokic hitting a fadeaway from, that's, from anywhere. That's what the and one mixtapes were like in Slovenia. Yeah, or in Serbia. <laughs> uh, that's what they were in Serbia. He was um, the guy there. So, so the only other player I'll mention who's been injured this season is, um, <clears throat> and he deserves mention in this category is Carl Anthony Towns. That's um, fair. Yep. He's somewhat of a hybrid. Like I think Jokic, <clears throat> his passing puts him on an island by himself. I can only think, you know, and it sucks because you don't want to be the person who compares the big white European center to another big white foreign <laughs> center. But but like Arvita Sabonis is the only player mm. I got to see who had that passing. I remember old man Bill Walton, and it was close. But but Walton by the time I saw him, he wasn't the this hulking figure that Jokic or, or Sabonis, like old man Sabonis on those Trailblazers teams. It was like, yo, this dude looks like someone's old uncle. <laughs> he's still, he's just, he's, and he was massive. He's one of the only guys you look at him, you're like, okay, you know, like Shaq isn't just going to pick him up and throw him down. And, uh, and Jokic really, he, he controls the game with his passing. Towns is somewhere between Anthony Davis and Embiid. Embiid terrifies me when that dude was stepping behind the three-point line. A little bit better about it this year. A little less reliance on it. A little more like, hey, I'm going to get the ball low. I'm going to do my turnarounds. I'm going to get up and under. I'm going to beat people in the post. Anthony Davis is a lot more out on the perimeter. Towns can do both. And he's just in a bad situation. I, I worry about his career having been in Minnesota for so long, because I, I always think this players end up in situations and it can poison them. You know, mm -hmm. it can really turn their career the wrong way. And you realize like, you know, would Kawhi Leonard be Kawhi Leonard if he didn't spend that first four or five years in San Antonio, in that system that slowly developed him, built his game, et cetera. I don't think so. 
I agree. Yeah. yeah, that's completely fair. I mean, playing under someone like Pop and having the opportunities that he did as a young like professional, it was incredible and it really kind of jump started his career. I agree with you. I think Cat is kind of in a very toxic situation, and I think he is loyal to to a you know kind of a fault. And I think long term, it may hurt his career if he keeps resigning there. Yeah, no question. So yeah, um. So the cat situation, we, we we are a big fan of moving players to a better system where they could flourish, just like you know Javel coming from the depths of hell to the Warriors and becoming this center that everyone wants, you know. Yeah. So, question to all three of you guys: Where would you like to see Cat? Don't don't worry about him wanting to stay there or the money or anything into a system. If you just drop him in there, they're a title contender. Oh, so so they have to, okay. Hmm. Title contender is the part that makes it hard for me. Uh, yeah, man. Um, well, my original thought for some reason was with Luca, but I don't know why on the Mavs. Like that sounds really fun, but isn't like his best homie, um, Daniel Russell? Aren't they really yeah. good buds? They are. Part yeah. of me just wants me to, them to figure out Minnesota, man. Like, I don't know. I just <laughs> want them to happen. fucking figure something out. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, no. <laughs> I was I was a T-Wolves stan. I had a uh, Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury poster on my wall. Like, oh, I yeah. was like, these dudes are the dudes. This is going to be yeah. so good. Um, I actually think that Cat needs to get with a better system. I'm... Luca seems great next to almost anyone, right? Mm-hmm. But I think he needs. I think Luca needs some more athletic wings around him, players who are slashing, cutting, and shooting, and then versatile bigs. I don't think he needs an offensively dominant big. Mm-hmm. It would. It sounds enticing to put Towns there, and that's one of the <laughs> only contenders. Um, if you switch Towns with DeAndre Ayton right now in Phoenix. Right. That's a good good answer. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I'm not out on Ayton either. I, um, I got the chance to go to summer league, the season, uh, Ayton's rookie season. And I came away with it. Like, man, this dude just looks like a guy who hasn't played a lot of basketball. Uh, he, he, he was big, but tentative. Um, and I think you see it now last in the bubble. That was the team watching that Phoenix team, seeing Aiton really come into his own. And I feel like it's regressed a bit this year. I think Mm -hmm. there's been a feeling out process with Chris Paul. That said, you put Carl Anthony towns in that spot. I think that team moves a lot better. Him and Devin Booker are buddies too. There was always this idea that that was going to be book D'Lo and cat man. Seattle I don't, needs them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> but so I mean, you put Cat there. The other, the other place. You know, what if you flip Paul George for Carl Anthony Towns? Ooh, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, put him in the Clippers. Yeah. Interesting. I think I think you pair him with something like that. But but it's even you know I might even like Paul George with Cat more than I like Kawhi with Cat. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's a tough one. He needs a change of scenery. I just think for his career to keep going, he needs something different. 
Yeah. Uh, Tyler, what do you got, Tyler? I, I think just for the storyline and history repeating itself, you move Cat over to Boston. He does the K, <laughs> does the KG route. You pair yeah. him. With, you put, pair him with Tatum. You pair him with uh, Jalen Brown. Maybe you you trade Kemba over for for the money. And uh, I think that's I think that's uh, it's, <laughs> it's Kemba plus every pick they have ever. <laughs> ain't nobody yeah. trading Kemba Walker for Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, hey, I'm in I'm in fantasy land. <laughs> oh, well, if you're going that route, why don't you ship him to China with Marbury? Oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, dude. <laughs> Shit, dude. Get a ring over there. Over there yeah. Did you guys did you guys follow any of that? Marbury turned into like he was clearly going through some stuff over here, but then he went to China and found like I was so happy for the dude. It's a weird thing to mm-hmm. say, but like I was happy. I was so excited for Stefan Marbury. Yeah, dude, oh, yeah. he he's like China's superstar. Like yeah. it's insane. Except for the, the controversy that happened not too long ago. When he, uh, I think Instagram lived, um, mm-hmm. being in a like talking about Chinese women. Oh, 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 oh shit, yeah, dude! Yeah, I yeah. remember. That. I forgot. I was about like, that. What, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. These guys like love you, and you're just <laughs> doing it. yeah, yeah. You sometimes people do regretful things. Um, <laughs> okay, I mean to be honest, of those, you wonder about it. Is there any possible reality where the Celtics could? The Celtics Celtics trade talk is the worst thing to me. I hate it. <laughs> it always because they seem like a great landing spot, but yeah, there's there's almost no reality where they could trade for Cat without giving up Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, but they're not going to give yeah. up Tatum. So mm-hmm. so I I want to pose this question to the three of you: the trade is Jalen Brown plus five, you know, three three first and two pick swaps for Cat. Do you do it? So, so I'm Danny have, Ainge right now, right? You're Danny Ainge. So, you have <laughs> Jason Tatum, Carl Anthony Towns, pillars of the future for the next <laughs> however many years. Um, if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm going to inquire about Cat and not do anything about it. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. Correct. <laughs> yeah, or just nothing about it. Yeah. Offer the, the Gordon Hayward trade exception, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we put out an offer. You know, we were in talks, and it just, you know, they wanted too much. They, <laughs> they actually wanted a valuable asset in return for Carl Anthony Towns, and I, that was just too much. They wanted <laughs> Kevin McHale isn't there anymore to give me friend deals. <laughs> yeah, they wanted any player, and we just said no. So. <laughs> I think if that trade was on the off, okay, we'll do this. If that trade is offered, if Minnesota's like, hey, cat wants out, <clears throat> we're making this call to you. You have uh, five minutes, it explodes. We want Jalen Brown. We want Marcus Smart. We want three firsts and two pick swaps, unpro- all unprotected. Uh, you've got, you, we need an answer right now. Tyler. I, I'd, I'd probably say no. I, okay. I, think, I think the picks in both Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown would be too much for them to say yes greg i don't know man i just we're still talking cat right yeah the cats sure. i i'm not on board with trading for cat personally man i don't know okay. yeah <laughs> leaving it ralph, at that i i haven't seen enough and ralph you're saying no yeah i, I would say no and oh, wow. what about you and i mean i'm a big jalen brown fan but i gotta think about it i'm a big jalen brown fan marcus smart is the most overrated <laughs> Uh, uh, seventh man. I mean, and I know he brings energy. Yeah. He he's had some good games in big moments. 
long term, historically he might be closer to Lance Stevenson than a historic player. I can see that too. That's man. fair. That's yeah. fair. But, but right now he's doing great, you know, like right in this moment, he's fitting the role pretty well. He's fitting the role and they need players who fit the role, but he also is the first guy who will, who will take a shot when he shouldn't take a shot. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he, he, he might, he, and this is both a benefit and a, a detractor. He might think he's the best player in the Celtics. And I don't know how healthy that is, <laughs> you know, like, do I think he's a lot better than, Romeo Langford, I'm not sure. He is right now, but but we're also talking a guy who is here. Let's we, we went in stat world. 13 points a game on 39% from the field. You know, like mm, 31% from three. Mm, are we sure? Are we really sure <laughs> that this guy's that this guy's an untouchable? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that, as Danny Ainge, I would say no. Yeah, yeah. I, I would trade Marcus Smart though. I would definitely trade him. I just think including him and Jalen Brown, I think you're giving too much. Yeah, it's too much. You might be right because we don't know how much how damaged are the goods with Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's going to become an NBA storyline if uh, if he doesn't. You know, he's gone through a lot of personal tragedy, and that's awful. Um, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. We got to see what that's like, but. Um, I, I, that's one of the biggest things to me. I think he deserves a change of scenery. You know, uh, Jokic is so great with the Nuggets, but you can also imagine a situation where he ends up on the wrong team. I don't know. You know, he he mm. might be like, oh, this guy's great, but we're not giving the minutes he deserves. Yeah, yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure if the situation ends up the right way for some of these players. Definitely. Damn, don't. I, uh, this, this is a good segue into the, the next topic I want to talk about. Uh, kind of mentioning a young player who's dealt with injuries early in his career. Speaking of the Denver Nuggets, I have a young talent in Ball Ball who I've personally seen when he played at Oregon, and I love him. His game is, uh, like, to me, really, really cool and interesting. Uh, but he dealt with a, you know, kind of a devastating foot injury while at Oregon, and it kind of has lived on to his first year with the Nuggets. Do you think that there's potential for him to be a solid core player with the Nuggets or maybe any NBA team? Or do you think it'll be kind of like more of a novelty center, like a Taco Fall or a Bobon? Isn't that the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, bubble ball. He showed so much potential, right? When he was getting minutes. <laughs> right? He was, ball, he was doing it. Um, he... Uh, you know, like, do you know what his stat line looks like this year? Five minutes a game, 1.8 points per game. Oof. Oof. Man, just, just five minutes, though? It's kind of That's right. And, and it's, I can it's, do that. I can <laughs> do five <minutes. laughs> Yeah, totally. Put me in, coach. I'm <laughs> ready to play. Um, I think it's really tough. I think he's floating in that space. He's on a Nuggets team who has unreasonable depth, and he's getting squeezed out. You know, in the front court, they've got everyone is jostling, jockeying for position. And when they re-signed Paul Millsap this offseason, I was like, ooh, that's going to throw a wrench into the works because, you know, coming out of the bubble, you think, okay, MPJ, he's the starter. He's, he's there. He's got the three or the four spot locked in. 
Jokic, obviously. Murray, obviously. You got Gary Harris or Will Barton filling the other starter role. But then you push Paul Moss, Millsap back in. That pushes everyone back. Um, Jim Michael Green's got to get time. Hardenstein's getting time. Bull Bull's just kind of relegated. I would love for him to, to become more than a novelty player. Right now, you know, shaking the Magic 8-ball, outlook not so good. Um, yeah. And it's sad because I think he had so much – he had and has so much potential. He might need to change the scenery. But this, this again, so, so I think the Nuggets' depth hurts and helps. Uh, that Cavs game was incredible because R.J. Hampton's out there getting buckets. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and a guy named Zeke, Zeke, Zeke Najee, yeah, yeah. Zeke Najee looks looks awesome. Like, whoa, this dude should get minutes. <laughs> and and you just don't have time for all these guys to play. And I, I look around the league, and there's a lot of teams like the Nuggets are. We'll put them as a fringe title contender. They're not the first or second maybe in the Western Conference, but they're there. They're third, maybe fourth, depending on who you are, um, contender. And they've got a bench that goes deep, and you go, oh, some of these players need time to develop. And uh, Bull Bull's one of them. I, I think it's – they have that problem. They're, they're, they have to be thinking long-term, this is good. This is good development. I would rather have a loaded bench – where you're slowly developing these guys and, and see them come to fruition. But you also can feel it like, oh, there's players getting squeezed out here. Bobo had actual trade value, you know, might not have been huge, but he has some value. And I don't know what that is today as it, as compared to even just five months ago. Totally. Which I saw yesterday in that game, um, they were up by 30 and they were still playing their starters. I'm like, coach what are you doing like you have people like bull bull that's sitting on the bench that could you know expand their game a little bit more especially in the blowout like yeah the fourth quarter that should have been even even more that's when zeke Naj got most of his run mm-hmm. um they he he went deep into his bench early you know monty morris was having a big game paul i think paul Millsap was having a big game i think there was a certain level where they wanted to keep rhythm um, I think the starters ended up maybe maybe Barton played 30 minutes. The rest of the starters didn't hit 30. I think, you know, Murray might have been at 23 minutes. Jokic might have been at 26 minutes. Uh, it's tough because the rest of that team, you look up and down that lineup, and there's a lot of guys trying to get on the floor. Bobo totally got squeezed out in that game. And, you know, you wonder, you, you put him on another team, great, but I worry that he might end up in the Thon Thon Maker oh, situation yeah. that happened because Thon had he had a flash, right? He was and killer, his, yeah. His game was a lot closer to Bull Bulls, where you know you could see him actually run the floor a bit. He wasn't just standing under the basket with his arms up. Um, you know, and uh Thon Maker got his wish where he gets traded out of Milwaukee to Detroit. He's not a relevant NBA player anymore, you know, like uh, that is the sad story for some of these guys is if you don't hit break rotation in your first four years, you're, you're yeah. NFL running back, your career's short real quick. 
right now in the Orlando Magic, Mo Bamba is definitely falling into that category. And it's super hard to watch just because Vooch is doing so good. They're, they have a Kem Birch who's all right, mm-hmm. but the coach can't justify giving Mo Bamba minutes because Kem Birch is playing just too good for Mo Bamba to get time. Yeah. It's pretty fucked because you watch this person's career just potentially be wasted on the bench. Right. And, and what is like, <clears throat> so we did the cat trade value. You're any other team in the league. What are you giving up for Mo Bamba? I would give up a lot. I would, I would take, a, I would take almost anything for Mo Bamba. I'm just saying like a guard, we need a guard really bad. So let's do Ooh, almost got, I got any guard. I got, I got something for you, dude. What do you got? You should ship them to the Raptors. I mean, they're, they're in Tampa Bay right now. How Rowley wants to go. Cheap shipping. Lowry wants to go, dude. Like I feel like Lowry's on the end of his uh Raptor tenure and the Raptors need a center. There you go. You're welcome. Uh-huh. All right, there we you go. You can bait him with, you know, uh the the Disney resorts. Yeah. Have you guys had a have you guys had a Raptors fan on yet? Not, not yet. yet. No. no. I don't know if you're gonna have one after saying that. I actually suggested <laughs> I suggested to to a Raptors fan buddy said you know is it time to move Lowry like no no they've turned the corner season's picking up and he was he's not wrong they've they've been playing better he's like no they got a move to make and right back in contention I think they're gonna ride that one all the way out with Kyle Lowry I think he's there yeah I think so too I, I he's definitely the heart and soul of Toronto and I think it would just crush team chemistry if they oh. traded him, like they, they survived the DeRozan trade. We saw how that went, but I don't think they're going to get a level of talent like Kawhi for someone like Kyle Lowry. So they might as well just keep the chemistry and ride it out till the end of the year. They're going to make a statue of Kyle for sure. <laughs> in front of the Jurassic Park. <laughs> Kyle Lowry. That, that feels so much closer to the Nick Foles statue in Philadelphia than it does to like the Shaq statue or, you know, the Magic Johnson statue. So, like, I think there should be a statue rating. Like, there's the Michael Jordan statue outside of, you know, the the Chicago arena. That's Mm -hmm. what you should be aiming for. Then you go to Lakers. (laughs) They're doing it right. Like, you know, it's only the the peak. Even James Worthy. Sorry, James Worthy. You're not good enough to be a statue. (laughs) Kyle Lowry? Statue? (laughs) I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you look at all the the Raptors past years, he's the Raptor, you know. Um, so, I I would petition uh, to build a statue of Kyle Lowry. Outside. Maybe like a banner. I don't think we need a Kyle Lowry statue, but a fucking well, you, banner. Is you good can put a banner in front the of the statue. <laughs> Yo, yeah. like, so let me give my my. Let's do a Kyle Lowry bust. Like, like, like very presidential right when you walk in the same. I think that's fitting. That's cool. Um, or just give him a like post career door greeter job. Like he can do that. That's just fine. Uh, yo, he's, he's actually a great player, but I think he's awesome. Uh, yeah. He's not a statue, right? Like let's, 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 yeah. let's save the statues. Like, man, uh, well, uh, it, it's one of those questions of how teams judge it and, you look at the Lakers and it's like, yo, we don't put up Pacific <laughs> division champion banners. There's no Western <laughs> conference champion banners. It's, it's banners, it's titles, you know? And, and I think that's the Raptors title was awesome, but yeah, it was really fun. That was no, a really wasn't. fun run. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, 
was that your worst was that your worst defeat yeah it's it's just clay going down really clay okay. and kd and you know they clay was on fire that game clay, Shot the free clay is with a, a torn ac like he's a warrior he is yeah. well literally but he <laughs> he's he's the the secret sauce is you know draymond barks and steph is just the the prodigal son clay is the dude who's like oh chips are down yeah all right i got this he responds mm-hmm. and yeah. that's they lose that energy without him exactly. i think i think this year specifically we kind of realized how important clay was to that team you know like he just was the glue that held it together honestly yeah yeah like here's i'm gonna say this clay statue outside of oracle outside of chase center i'm in Nope. I'm in. Yeah, I'm me, too. I'm in. me too. Before right. Steph. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no Steph true. No, no Steph no, no, statue no Steph. ever. Yeah. Only play. No. no, Steph statue is like a traditional it's Steph taking a jumper or like some nifty handle. The clay statue is like China clay, like dropping something like, oh, you know. Ooh. Twice like as big. Flip, with like smoke coming phone. out of his mouth. Yeah, him on his flip phone for sure. <laughs> his dog right beside him. Yeah. Um, Shout out Rocco. Right. L- let's make this a recurring thing you guys should talk about people who are statue worthy kyle lowry <laughs> is not statue worthy to me but i understand why a raptors fan might say that yeah well <laughs> i'm gonna actually go with uh chris boucher for, for oh, I love chris boucher. <laughs> yeah so uh oregon legend and a two-time champion more rings than kyle lowry so he's he's the, he's the true statue in uh Toronto, Damn, man. So. well, well if, if that's your categories dude pat mccaw he oh, has you're right. Rings, you're right. I'm gonna have one in Chase, and then and also in Jurassic Park. Yep. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Pat McCall, he's going in the Hall of Fame for sure. You can lock it. <laughs> if, if right place and right time is a person, that's him, dude. Yup, absolutely. Uh, so, so one more question here for you. Uh, who, who is your all-time favorite Denver Nugget? If you had to pick just one. Okay, I'm going to pick just one. Um, it's not Bryant Stith. It's not LaFonso Ellis. Uh, it might be Mahmoud Abdul-Roof. He gets a mention. Uh, Dikembe, great Ooh. nugget. Um, I, I'm too young for Dan Issel. Uh, a little young to really have remembered Alex English or Fat Lever. Way too young for David Skywalker Thompson, who to all the the like young young fans, that's one of two dudes who Michael Jordan's like, yeah, like that's my favorite player. And when the true goat is like, yeah, David Thompson, one of the players I modeled my game after, and nobody knows who that dude is. It's like, wow. So go find some YouTube clips of David Skywalker Thompson. Um, I want to give a nod to. University of Colorado legend and short time nugget Chauncey Billups. Yep. That's two a great time. One. Two time. Uh, and he should have stuck around on that first run because they, they really could have used him. Um, and I was a big Chauncey fan. I, oh. <laughs> so my, my uh, very first AOL screen name and email was Bronco 796. Because it was 1996, and I love John Elway. So <laughs> there you go. My second screen name was uh, KG21CB4. So Kevin Garnett 21, Chauncey Billups four. He was four on the, on the Celtics when he first came in. Um, but my all-time favorite Nugget 
and Michael Porter Jr., I'm just saying there's room for you to take this crown. Damn. Okay. Holy shit. But right now it's blue and yellow, just like Carmelo. Yes. Okay. People forget. People forget how incredible he was at his peak. Um, There were games against LeBron where it was him versus LeBron head to head, chest to chest. And he took it to LeBron um, in, in a way that very few other players ever have, let alone in that like position to position. I'm covering you. You're covering me. We're going shot for shot. And Melo didn't back down. Um, he, he had some, they had some <laughs> good teams and they just never were able to get totally over the hump. Sometimes I fear that same thing with this current uh, Nuggets roster. Because the Nuggets of that that vintage where <clears throat> they have Chauncey, they had uh, Mello, they had Kenyon Martin, they had a nice mix of veterans, young players, and it just never quite landed in the right spot, you know. And uh, I fear that that'll happen again. But Mello was great. Um, I think when he looks back on his career, he'll he'll remember fondly a season and a half with the Knicks (laughs) and he'll remember his time with the Nuggets as being overall pretty great. He he had some great run and uh, seemed like he brought joy to the Nuggets franchise in a way that I hadn't really seen in my lifetime. They were just super fun to watch. That's a solid answer. What about you, Tyler, Greg? Uh, I have to go with the future. Mellow. Yeah. That's, that's who I was going to pick. It was so good. I loved him back then. I still love him now, but I think he was the most fun to watch on Denver. So for me, it's got to be the new age answer. I got to go with Jokic, man. Like he is just the person. He's the franchise player. He's yeah. He's it. Yeah, Jokic. Well, Jokic makes a strong argument too. You get you, like it's he, he two more years like this, and people will be like, who, "Mellow, who? Huh?" <laughs> Fun fact, uh, Jokic is number one out of everyone in win shares at 5.2. Wow. And yeah, next wow. one is Embiid at three point something. But wow. that's a huge, you know, that's a huge gap. Damn, fuck um, I want to give my, my favorite. Uh, oh, I know who it is. This is <laughs> Please. You, you know who it is, Tyler? Um, uh-huh. So this is controversial. He only played one season there. Andre Iguodala. The world, the Martian <laughs> staring at Earth, fate of the world, Andre Iguodala. Um, yeah, I he, think you just say that because of that one playoff series the year before he jumped ship to Golden State with the Nuggets, <laughs> and he's he's basically absolutely. over their bench going, so what do you guys got going on next year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I, I, they offered him uh, $48 million for four years, and he declined it and joined you know, the Warriors. Um yeah, I don't know. He, he was fun, dude. He's yeah. fun. I mean, my love for him rooted from, you know, 76ers. Uh, he was, like, high-flying along with Iverson. He was just... The other AI, yeah. Yeah, exactly. AI to AI, they were just amazing. <laughs> he... Iguodala fits in this weird category where <clears throat> he may have had... He might have had the best possible career he could have given how it ended up with Golden State. But for a long time, he was great uh, on the post-Iverson Sixers 
hmm. in a way that, but the team was middling. Like they just couldn't get out of their own way. And he wasn't, he was never quite suited to be a number one option. And he never got the opportunity to be like the third best player on a team. And like, he was the second best player on those AI, the Iverson teams, but it was Iverson at his most gluttonous, like jacking shots up. They weren't truly contenders, but he was good enough that he could get, he could will them to 42 wins. And so um, you wonder what his career looks like if he had ended, if he had had, if he had ended up on a Warriors type situation three, four years earlier, because then you look at that team and it's like, hey, they don't need KD. If they had 2010 Iguodala as oh. their 3 4, <laughs> that's a reckless team, you know? Oh, so, um, yeah, that's a great answer. He was he was very good on that Nuggets team. I want to shout out Marcus Camby, also underrated Nugget, <laughs> underrated player in general, one of my favorite Raptors, uh, but also had a long career in in Denver, and he's also the player I think I play the most like. So shout out to Marcus Camby. Are you talking <laughs> about like the jump shot? A jump shot high up <laughs> over, um, bigger could handle but it's like at the same time you're like yo this dude can 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 dribble the ball a bit maybe we don't want him to so much but you know he can (laughs) no i I always liked his game i i I loved him coming out of umass he he was he was a beast in college and i don't know he just never he never totally hit the nba game right but he he still made the most out of his career he had a long career you know absolutely holy man well you, you were gonna say something greg well, my thing was just about Andre Iguodala. I really like him as a player, but honestly, when he was on the Grizzlies and he refused to play, that rubbed me wrong. Like, that pissed me off. And I just – I get that he's a veteran player and you want to end up on a winning team and you want to play for a chip, but that's that's bullshit, man. And, like, that's – it's – yeah, I don't know. The team chemistry, like, he just pissed off this whole team of young players in the NBA. Doo-doo. Dude, <laughs> as an Andre Iguodala fan, I want to say he played it right. He made the Grizzlies better. They made their chemistry a lot better. He deserves a fucking statue in front of Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> You're the, the same for per- him. Hey. <laughs> uh, my, my comment is that uh, I agree. I think he handled it wrong. And you know what? He was good for Miami in the bubble, but not that great. Yeah. And now he is, he is officially past the expiration date. <laughs> but his, uh, investments is what's uh gonna keep him <laughs> oh he's he's yeah. solvent he's liquid don't worry yeah. about that yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally man <laughs> statue everywhere i just appreciate he sat out the season and then wrote a book and then went on a book tour and got paid <laughs> yeah. like 20 million so good for him man yeah. shout out iguodala <laughs> okay that's fair got paid not to play basketball and go yeah, on he's tour. a businessman in basketball shoes yo <laughs> yes sir yeah, man well, I think that's gonna gonna wrap it up for the night here. Uh, I just want to thank you, Bob, for joining us tonight. Yeah, uh, man. Bob. Anything you want to plug before we call it an evening? No, thank you guys. This was super fun. Always down to come and chat basketball with you guys. I don't, I don't have yeah. enough friends who are are crazy hoop heads. So a shout out. <laughs> uh, check out Axe to Grind. It's a great podcast. We uh, it's available on all your podcast players and also maybe LinkedIn like you guys now. And um, innovators. Yeah. No, let me think. Is there anything else interesting to plug? Oh, uh, check out. I am doing a podcast with my buddy, Pete, 
who we were doing a podcast about music from New Jersey called uh, It Came From New Jersey. We're pivoting a little bit and we have a new podcast called In Search of Tracks. So again, we we basically took the same formula we were doing where we're talking about music of all types from New Jersey and saying, hey, is there good music here? We're uh, breaking down the walls, no barriers, no boundaries and uh, taking it national. So talking about music of all types. So please check those out. Uh, most importantly, uh, watch more basketball. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Shout yeah. out basketball, Ralph. What do you got for us? Um, I wanna, uh, I wanna fucking shout out this guy on Facebook that sold me a Tom Brady rookie card for six dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and here it is. For those that are just listening, it's a Tom Brady card, but it's when he was a catcher for the, the <laughs> Montreal Expos. <laughs> dang man so yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited about this uh, got it for six bucks it's gonna be millions <laughs> i'm gonna have a statue in front of my house after i make the <laughs> to the moon baby with this hell yeah man i love it greg anything you want to plug this week uh i'm gonna i'm gonna shout out nikola vucevic's back because he's gonna be carrying the orlando magic <laughs> for the rest of the season and I don't think they're gonna win any of the games. So yeah, shout I just want magic. <laughs> I just want to update you with the Warriors and Magic game tonight. God damn it! Uh, God damn it! One hundred five, one eleven Warriors. That's not bad. No, that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. I'm into that. I'll take um, a six it, point loss. If you're gonna watch the highlights for this game, just watch the second quarter because the Magic looked amazing. But that's about it. Thanks, Ralph. I got I'll do you, that. man. I got you. <laughs> Tyler, what you got, man? Uh, I'm gonna shout out. My homies band Tolls, they just put out a split with no worries from uh, Stockton. It's really good. The money's going to some good places, so you should definitely check it out. Also, shout out Portland Trailblazers because they're also up on the 76ers <laughs> right now. So let's go. There's a chance to sweep the series. Um, <laughs> so, yep. Uh, that's, Game's that's tied. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Damn it. I shouldn't have said anything. Uh, but yeah, I think that's gonna, that's gonna wrap it up for tonight. As always, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. We're on all of it, baby. Ralph, what you got? Uh, and, and, and Bob, in, in the off season, we would like to have you back in and just talk about what happened after the season's <laughs> over. Um, and then just like recap what the, the nuggets did, what they do, and what they could improve love to i i would love to come to let's plan a six hour debrief on the whole thing. Ooh, <laughs> I, I would be down the whole day i'm fun. into it well we'll, well we'll do a live like twitch oh <laughs> yeah, sign me up i'll do i won't even be in the closet that time <laughs> <laughs> there we go. all right well thanks again bob for uh for joining yeah, us thank you man please please listen to axe to grind and all of other uh podcasts that bob's on uh you'll have a great time so thanks for joining us and good night y'all thank you peace everybody